Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. as American Vindic Show. I'm Dave Hodges. We have the Common Sense Show, and together, this is the Intel Report, and we are really glad that you are with us. We're going to be uh, uh, taking prisoners today. Seriously. We're, we're going to call out these people who are perverts. By the way, the J6 people, Doug, uh, digress for a second. Uh, they are now under investigation by Matt Gates for uh, no trial, no lawyer access, uh, and some of these people, I bring this up, they're linked to some of what we're talking about tonight. Some of the J6 attorneys are linked to this perversion, and so are some of the judges. You know, it just doesn't end. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, have Doug with us here, and we're going to be talking about um, exotic craft. I don't know what it is. Um, I- I'm going to say this. And it's and you, people, you know, I don't come on here and bash people on our side of the fence very often, unless their name's Doc, and they have no credibility. But um, generally speaking, um, I stay away from people I disagree with. I just don't talk about them, but I have to here. I talked about this earlier today on YouTube. Stephen Greer. Uh, goes and he summons up through, I don't know, seance, meditation, whatever the hell they're doing, and all of a sudden UFOs appear. I'm sorry, I was born at night, but not last night. And uh, I don't buy it, but he appeared on a recording today on behalf of some Intel whistleblowers with dramatic claims about what's behind these exotic craft that they have uh, and the crimes they're committing with them. And and I told Doug in our pre-air conversation tonight, I said, if the only thing I ever saw about Stephen Greer was this presentation, I would think this guy is really good. So if I can just forget his woo-woo, nonsensical, gee, let's summon the aliens, and here they are, just think about them and they appear. Um, if I could just eliminate that and just go to what he said today, Oh, my goodness. So I told Doug, I said, I'm still going to hold an air of skepticism here on what we're going to see because of the source. However, I think this is probably true. And I'm going to say this, too. It's my opinion 
that Judge Scalia was killed, lured to Texas, and murdered. No autopsy done. Cremated body, and he's a Roman Catholic, and a judge that blocked any inquest for the autopsy. Um, And she was a Democratic judge. And Scalia, I believe, was talking to uh, John Roberts and said, if this crap doesn't stop with child sex trafficking and our participation with Epstein from members of the court, I'm going to blow the lid on this. And that's why I believe he was murdered. And I had some reasons to say that when I said it. I published this on our website. And I think that this, uh, my early instincts about Scalia are right. I think his murder is related to what we're going to talk about tonight. So, Doug, let me just kind of turn it over to you, okay? As you're putting fog out onto the screen here, I feel like I'm walking on a San Francisco street. Oh, no, I'm not. There's no open-air drug market, and people aren't shoplifting left and right. You know what I found out today, by the way? In Pueblo, Colorado, Pueblo, Colorado, working, working town, you can steal up to $900 and not go to jail. Yep. In Pueblo, Colorado. That's become a was, common theme across the entire United States. Well, you know, if I was a shop owner, you might be able to steal $900, but you have a hard time enjoying the goods when I beat your ass. I would market <laughs> everything to be a $1,001, and then when you come to rig it up, I'd have the actual price. But, you know, hey. Good idea. Okay, what do, what do we a, got here? We're gonna get we're gonna get into. Um, I, I hate to say this, people. I can't believe the words are gonna come out of my mouth, but we're just following where the data goes. How about exotic craft tied to high crimes and treason? Well, you you normally when we think of UFOs, okay, I know we're on the subject again. Not everybody likes it, but not everybody's on the up and up as those of you who seem to know everything. But when you when you think of UFOs, exotic craft, aliens, typically you don't think a human connection as to where we're going with this as human trafficking. Now, Dr. Stephen Greer, I, I've been hard on him. Dave's been hard on him. Uh, Timothy Alberino has been hard on him, as we all should, because he's into new age. And as Christians, we, we greatly take a step back from people like that. But if his report is true, then let's take that to the side. That's his beliefs and what he wants to do out in the field by himself or the group of people is what they want to do. Um, But if his report is true and the whistleblowers that he brought forth are credible, and one guy's a Marine from 2-5. I I know a bunch of guys from 2-5. What's 2-5? 2-5, Second Battalion, Fifth Marines. When this 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 one uh, guy was over in Indonesia or the Philippines in 2009 uh, doing a humanitarian mission, I was in Ramadi, Iraq, doing a different kind of humanitarian mission. And so, you know, it, it, to me, it's crazy when I think about a time frame of when I was in war. Sister units of mine are, are out, you know, doing humanitarian missions and come across this stuff. To me, it's not that it gives more credibility, but it really raises the hair on the back of my necks because we all saw weird stuff. Everybody's seen weird stuff. Everybody's reported weird stuff. Um, the amount of people who saw lights in the skies in Iraq and Afghanistan is is 
un, unknowable at this point. Well, we you know, I, didn't, I didn't go to Iraq or Afghanistan, but I saw the Phoenix Lights. That's right. That's right. You've had you've borne witness to this before, but you know what you haven't borne witness to is when you have black black agency operations like the the real dark deep state who takes this supposed alien spacecraft re-back engineers it and then creates her own craft which is what uh dr greer goes over and then that is then used for human trafficking smuggling sex slavery abductions this is the stuff that if if you guys recall that tim um gets gets uh tim albrino gets very upset when talking about this because that is the greater existential threat is that we have our government that's abducting our own people and doing experiments on our own people and now we finally got whistleblowers because of the whistleblower protection act is finally being able to come out and talk about this and i will say at at great cost to themselves and you can tell as uh dr greer is speaking that he's he's looking left and right back and forth like if he's looking for the gunman in the crowd dave <laughs> and and tim and i tim Abrino and i spoke about this earlier today i told you this and he was deeply disturbed by this newest revelation and it, and what he said was that if we are using back engineered craft for human trafficking all right so let's just go here first before we play anything if if we can have back engineered alien spacecraft, all right, let's just throw that one out there. I know a lot of people aren't going to like it, um, but if we can do it, then we can go to the moon, then we can go to Mars, then we can go way down deep into the oceans at Mach five speed, then we can imagine our craft coming out of these holes from the Earth, because right? I think a lot of it's coming from inner Earth, and so does Tim. But another thing with this, it's almost sidebar connecting to the missing 411, is the amount of people who are abducted or missing or just go missing, right? And if this is a connection to it, this was what Tim and I were talking about, was the the possibility then that these craft and our guys piloting these craft, abducting people for whatever, what the the human cloning, the human experiments, the the sex slave, the uh, the breeding uh, experiments. You could have an entire slave class of people that go missing, and who's going to know? Oh, because aliens took them, right? Nobody's going to believe that. Nobody damn sure would have believed it two years ago. Uh, even even with you, all the stuff that's come out. Have you ever heard of the Travis Walton case? Absolutely. I've studied it before. And there's, okay. there's some anomalies people that, in there. I know people that know him. And the reason I bring this up, his abduction took place in front of witnesses. Mm-hmm. He was sucked up into the sky in front of his logging crew. This wasn't a guy who came and said, this is what happened to me. It was witnessed. Yep. He reappeared near his hometown five days after being missing. And no one could explain what was going on. The sheriff didn't want to touch it. And when Travis came back, and Annie DeRiso, my ex-news director, and she used to put on UFO conferences, Annie talked to him at length. And eventually they made a movie of this, but Annie said she told he told her that when he was being uh, sexually examined, I think that's the best way to put it, um, there were Air Force officers there in, 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 in there that were present. 
Which was left out of the movie. No, they were in the movie. Was it? Oh, I thought yeah. it was just the creepy aliens. I remember I remember they were in the movie. Well, so one of the one of the whistleblowers that, that we'll be showing you soon, he was a sergeant in the army, and he talks about being abducted. And him and his wife were both abducted, and he remembers the whole thing, which I maybe that's unusual, maybe it's not, but he, he says he remembers being abducted and then there's a fair skinned, red headed woman asking him questions and poking and prodding him. So you know, I th- I think I think the possibility that we are abducting people with craft that only the the black budget operations are aware of have access to that's just beyond special access programs at this point. Congress doesn't know, um, the White House doesn't know, the Pentagon maybe knows, maybe doesn't. Other governments around the world are doing possibly a similar thing. And so what Dr. Greer is saying is this is the existential threat to our national security is these types of black budget operations that are, for one thing, unconstitutional, number two, absolutely illegal, and they are hurting U.S. citizens. And that's investigated. That's why the lid needs to be blown off, and that's why every whistleblower and their mother needs to come out and needs to give their testimony. Um, but there's a there's another element to this, too. This is why I believe this is true, and I think it's important I say this. When my father worked with uh, the German scientists after the war and on into the early 60s, uh, they, he only did the theoretical, Doug. He very, did the very little laboratory. Sometimes he transitioned between the theoretical to where they tried to set it up in the lab, and he'd go in and be a consultant. And that's how he learned how things were organized, because everything was highly compartmentalized. But he told me, he said, this technology went somewhere, and it sure as hell didn't go to NASA. And he said, these Germans were 300 years ahead of us. We estimated it would take 300 years to do what they did. And they based it on Moore's Law, by the way, which a lot of people don't think came out into the 70s. No, they were using that in the 60s. And and he said that it didn't go to NASA. We don't know where it went, but it had to go somewhere. And he said, I know that they were putting it into physical operation because I was called in as a consultant when they set certain things up. Do we do the drive this way or do we do it that way? And that's the way they brought him in to to make those kind of decisions. And uh, he already believed this was occultic. Uh, Remember, I told you this story. He asked uh, the scientists one at a time, where did you get the info? And they said, aliens. Would you meet them? No, but our commander did. And then my dad said, well, I know about their penchant for the occult. I thought they were dealing with demonic entities. Now, he had to come to that conclusion based on real limited information, but that was his best guess. But, Doug, the bottom line is here is I believe what Greer's talking about here in today's press release is exactly what my father was uncovering with this technology, and I think this is how it was applied. Yeah, we we have had access to this stuff since the 40s. Yeah, that's true. Some some people say the 30s, but I'll say the 40s because that at least that's when Roswell was made known. Well, Bob Lazar said that he saw he knew of aliens that were working in concert with you know people from our planet, mm-hmm. and one would think, well, they're teaching us how to use the technology. That's what Bob Lazar believes. You know, as as someone who's a I was a professional skeptic, um, I would say that for the longest time. All the stories are very entertaining. I didn't give much credibility to them because people can lie and people make a lot of money doing this type of lying. 
And, you know, it's not hard to fabricate evidence, but when you have, and I believe it's like 800. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. We already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time witness testimonies coming out that are all part of the government and then you got gs-15s in the government coming out and the government's not denying any of this but let's go ahead and say this last week nasa came out and said that uaps or ufos are not connected to extraterrestrial non-human intelligence how would they know? Because they were never the recipient of this technology. Well, that's the cover-up, and and that was the that's the narrative that they want. But now the cat's out of that bag, so now they got to admit, okay, well, you know what NASA stands for, Doug, and this really fits. Never a straight answer. I always call them assholes. <laughs> Whatever, but they're not. A, you know, Richard. Ho- I knew Richard Hoagland. And he was good friends with my mentor Bill Pollock, and Richard worked in that in that environment. And he said the same thing. He said, if they had a chance to tell you the truth and it wouldn't hurt them, and they could tell you a lie and it wouldn't hurt them, they'd tell you the lie. Yeah. He said that was that organization. And they murdered Gus Grissom because Gus Grissom saw UFOs and he was in space and wouldn't shut up about it. And they killed Gus and two of his astronaut team in a training mission. And it was intentional. Well, I mean, 
every single astronaut who went to space saw a UFO and every it's single true. astronaut who went um, to the moon saw UFOs and other things, structures. When they, when they walked on the moon, they saw structures and they encountered aliens. And in one case, um, I can say this part because, you know, I'm under non-disclosure for some of this, but uh, Edgar Mitchell did say publicly that they came across a building, they approached it, and they were viewed from the inside, and they sent them a – this sounds crazy, but this is what Edgar said. They sent him a telepathic message, don't ever come back here again. And it was all telepathic. And the He thing- has said that publicly. There's other things he said that I cannot disclose legally, and you know why. Well, so, you know, other reports have come out about Santa Claus. Uh, that was a code name for a, a, a series of UFOs that they would see. There was a string of lights. Um, yeah. And, you know, all we got is is their testimony. So, you know, as the audience, I would tell you to do your own research, pray about it. Um, but don't let this shake your faith. And it is already with many. And that's the no, 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 no. The, the thing is, is I, 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 I won't be surprised if this ends up being demonic deception. Well, I think surprised. I think we're all. Well, I say we're all. I think the majority of us in our movement, in the Christian movement, believe in the great deception. Yes. And and I now, okay, I'll sound heretical when I say this. I would not care at all if there were aliens. I don't care. I don't care. It's not for me. It's not hard for me to believe that it's it's not going to change your faith, right? No, no. And it's not hard for me to believe that the fallen left this planet, however they left it, interdimensional, whatever people want to call it, and then seeded something elsewhere. Okay. It's not hard for me to believe. All right. Look what they did to this planet. What Richard Hoagland says, um, and it's in the Brookings report as a warning not to disclose this. Um, Richard Hoagland said um, when he was being interviewed by Art Bell, he said, I'm not so sure that they out there are not us from a long time ago that left mm-hmm. the planet. And and um, in the in the Brookings report, which was the guiding uh, document for NASA, and I said this the other night on a show, but I think it bears repeating here, Doug. Uh, the Brookings report said, if we go out there and find aliens covered up, it'll destroy society. Religions will fall apart, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that, but that's what they said. And then uh, they said the other thing. If we go out there and find out we've been there before, we better cover that up, too. And this is what Richard Hoagland contended, was that we had been there before. Well, I, I don't I don't know if UFOs and aliens can destroy man-made religion more than wokeism has so far. But <laughs> you for, think? Uh, you, you know, this whole thing, um, I think, is every, it, it, once again, like every 12 hours, Something new is going to come up. They're going to have something else to, to produce. And there's probably a, a bountiful amount of evidence for UFOs and aliens and contacts. And I'm telling you, do not be surprised the day it happens when you are just going to be, you know, cruising through the tube one day and all of a sudden you stop on whatever fake news mainstream media is on there. And here's one of our elected officials or someone from the Pentagon. And they have video evidence proof of aliens, or they're showing you, um, you know, a piece of a craft 
this is alien technology. None of us will ever be able to touch it or examine it. Only the government will. So we'll have to take them at their word for it. But, you know, the deception is real. The deception is on. Regardless if anyone thinks this or not, we have been deceived already. All right. And that deception is going to continue to grow. So let's let's listen to um, this short piece from Redacted. Um, we're, we're giving a lot of kudos to Clayton Morris over there at Redacted. Um, so far, he's covering the most of this, I think, better than anyone else. So we're going to use a clip from him today or from a few days ago, and we're going to listen to Stephen Greer, what he's saying, and uh, then we'll, we'll break it down and analyze it. That day um, at that event. Um, so this whole event took over three hours, close to four hours, with jaw-dropping moments. I mean, b- bombshell moments. Um, I want to show you a number of those moments now, and I'm going to save the most amazing, what I believe is the most amazing, for the end. Uh, so you got to stick around for this. So anyway... Dr. Greer started off by explaining the that they know these are the things they've turned over to Congress, Senate, and the and and the White House for part of this testimony. Here's the list of things that they sent out, which is the disclosure project slide, project intelligence archive, and contains government documents from the United States, Canada, Australia, Russia, the UK, and more. 145 top secret bases, 752 witnesses from military corporate government solutions, files with witness testimony and some video with supporting documents and information, 121 UF crash retrieval cases. Some documents includes name of witness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he went through all of this, explaining that this is with stuff they were handing over. Um, here is Dr. Stephen Greer, though, showing the map locations of these secret bases in the United States. Look at the number of secret military bases inside the United States and what's being worked on at these secret military bases from witnesses who've come forward and have actually worked at these bases. Watch. Operations have happened. I'm saying illegal because we can prove that this information, as Senator Inouye said, you'll hear his statement in a moment, has been run by a very shadowy, deep black operation. And we're not talking the legal black budget of the United States. We're talking about projects that presidents and CIA directors and secretaries of defense and members of the Congress who have a need to know and are clear TSSCI in SCIFs, secure compartmented information facilities, have been blatantly either gaslit denied access. That is the foundation of everything we've done, is that these projects are a priori illegal and therefore unconstitutional and have to be reined in. So as we're looking at this, I know one of the places on here that he's talking about, Dave, is JRB. That's a Joint Reserve Base Air Naval Station. And that's right here in Fort Worth. And that's where Lockheed Martin's at. So quick story for anyone who cares. Um, if you live anywhere within this area, you are always going to see craft that are flying typically east to west, and they're going to be going over uh, JRB into Fort Worth, and they fly over me in Weatherford, Texas, and then out to Mineral Wells, Texas, now to another base, and they fly back and forth and back and forth. And well, Go ahead. I, well, let me finish, interject this. Same thing. When my dad worked with these captured scientists. Uh, we're talking uh, Martin Marietta, which is now Lockheed Martin. And the one he worked at was um, in the Coal Creek Canyon in the foothills outside Littleton, Colorado. 
And um, it, this this was uh, not the only place he worked with these people at, but it was one of them. And the UFO sightings there are off the charts. Yep, same here. Uh, right here, number 22, Carswell Air Force Base, Fort Worth, Texas. That's right here next to me. Mm-hmm. So my little area of Parker County, Texas, sitting right next to Johnson County, Texas, okay, is the considered to be the paranormal hotspot of Texas. We have the most UFO sightings, strangely enough, the most Bigfoot sightings. Uh, we have uh, whatever little anomalies that are else out there, but Palpinto, um, Johnson County, and Parker County, and they all run linear to each other, All right, which is in the same flight path as any of these uh craft are taking and you see weird stuff all right we know what military aircraft look like because they fly 200 feet over our house constantly and then you see stuff that are just orbs in the sky and they just they blip out and they come back and they're strange i mean to us they're ufos but you see them so much they might as well just be tested aircraft now for anyone who's living in any of these areas make sure you can you know stop and pause the video screenshot what you're looking at see if you got anything within your area and then start being observant start being observant of the skies of what's going on you can find any of these places out and i'm telling you if you live around any of these you got stuff going on most likely you've got ufos and abductions going on in your backyard you just don't know it we haven't seen that where i live but where i live in arizona we live north of Metropolitan Phoenix, out in the uh, the um, country. Um, we have things that have happened, and and th- this goes back it predates when we lived there. We've been there for twenty years, uh, but we have talked to people that have been there for thirty years. And there's a Toyota Proving Grounds out there, and some really weird stuff happens. They guard the base with M16s. Yep. The Toyota Proving Grounds are guarded with M16s. And I mean, these people are nasty. I walked up one time and said, when do you guys give tours? <laughs> Just kind of check it out. This guy wasn't messing around, man. He, he he made it clear the gun was in his hands and I better turn around and leave. But there are people out there that see orbs. I have seen a couple things in the sky I can't explain. Doesn't mean it's a UFO, but I've seen a couple things out there I can't explain. My son used to have this big jungle gym platform stuff. And a lot of times on 4th of July, we'd get up on it and we'd watch fireworks and stuff from inside the city. And uh, we live on a rise, so we were able to see into the Phoenix area. Um, and so, some nights we were up there just for the heck of it, and we'd see orbs. I've been there, done that. There's something going on at these proving grounds. I have followed uh, canopy trucks uh, with soldiers, with rifles, with um, um, woodland camouflage going into this facility myself i follow i followed them to the guard gate and i live in the middle i live in the middle of nowhere doug yeah yeah do you live near kingston kingman you mean kingman kingston place where they have a lot of mines at kingman has underground facilities yeah, you, that so that Kingman area. That's that's a little uh, Skinwalker Ranch area. That's Take it three, to the Apache. That's that's three hours north of me. And yes, there was a lady there named Bridget Langston. She had Sheriff Mack and I come up and speak about some uh, controversial topics, not this. Mm-hmm. But we talked afterwards. We went out to dinner afterwards with her, and she told us about um, the UFO activity 
uh, underground activity mm-hmm. in Kingman. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, we we have more than just one of these places. So here, let's let's continue on with this. Because not doing so is a threat to the national security. So here is your list. I'm not going to go through 145 sites. Some of them are black sites. Some of them are bases you know about, like Wright-Patterson, Edwards, Nellis, Area 51, so-called. But all of them are based on witness testimony and intelligence we've gathered. I want to stop right here and just say that he's listing locations of black sites. A black site, some of these have actually been discovered quite hilariously. Um, these sites are not that they're not meant to exist, but they're an undisclosed location for whatever operations are going on or testing that's going on. And some of them have been discovered. Um, you guys familiar with the smart watches, right? And how you can, you know, set it and jog and you can, you know, clock everything and monitor all your, your maps for your jogging and all that. Well, with this one smartwatch company, this was 2018, I think, because we all had a really good laugh about it. Um, so uh, there was one motivator who was out there every day running his three miles around his black site facility, and it was being monitored and uploaded into the Internet and completely mapped out his facility. So, you know, they do exist, and occasionally it does get leaked. And when it does get leaked because, you know, you're you're a fan of cardio, it's quite hilarious. So uh, your, your your little watch does track everything that you do. Just FYI for people. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Over the last everything 30 years, track, everything, it's time for it to be. Every, everything tracks you. Well, not, uh, not only that, but if you, if you are disclosing black sites, I mean, you, you could find yourself driving into an explosion for doing that. We're not we're not uh, so low of people that we wouldn't kill our own people for disclosing black sites. So it's it's very he has to be you can tell Greer is nervous. You can tell he has to be very careful the way he's doing this. I question why he did it in Washington, D.C. of all places. Uh, He might have another movie coming out soon, and this is this might be part of it. But, um, yeah, let's, let's continue disclosed so someone in the chat says clayton i can't believe why are you spreading this garbage it's not garbage this is perhaps one of the biggest stories of all time and on top of it it is a crime these are crimes that are being committed against americans here's what stephen greer says about that Uh, but this object was retrieved because it became disabled some of these retrieval operations are not extraterrestrial but they would like sometimes the public to think maybe it was because the bigger secret, I'll tell you right now, is not the extraterrestrial issue. It's these technologies, which an unsupervised and frankly illegal operation have, which is a threat to the national security, period. 
This we will prove. And this is a bigger threat, the existence of these in the hands of unsupervised operations that have escaped the oversight of the President of the Office of the President and the Congress for since 1956 to 1960. And so he then explains the difference between the man-made craft and the ones of extraterrestrial origin, which we've been reverse engineering for years. Um, Dave, you got any comments on that? No, it's pretty standard. Since the 1940s, and he shows the man-made side by side. So it's important to understand, yes, there are the alien craft that we have. We know that. That's without a doubt. But then we're also been reverse engineering them, and they look close, but not totally like them so here he gives an example of the differences here if i had time i would run through we can go through very quickly i think people in the military and in congress uh, and the american people know that need to know the difference between the man-made uh, advanced technologies and how they look and the extraterrestrial vehicles we're going to run through a side by side you can look and see the et one on the left seamless it is actually uh, created uh, in a material science and technology we don't have time to go into, but we understand that, versus the man-made ones that have components, parts, wires, and what have you. Next. And again. Next. And again. And then you hear on the right, that is the Norton Air Force Base 1988 air show classified. Uh, we have a, a witness who was in there. And these on the right are man-made. They were late Mercury era, 59 through early 60s in their construction because we had mastered gravity control in October 1954. So I want to go back to this picture. How does, he, how does he know that, though? How does he know when we mastered gravity control? Well, I mean, I don't know how these guys get this information. You know, here's the problem, and I, this is my skeptical mind saying this, is that you can't validate a lot of this information. So we're having to trust and assume that he's doing the proper due diligence and validating it for us. Uh, but if he does disclose paperwork, that's a big deal, right? Kind of kind of hard to kind of hard to not believe that but then again paperwork can be manipulated and can be created um so looking at this this diagram the man-made classified aerospace exhibit from norton air force base 1988 the man-made ufos this smaller one the medium-sized one the smaller one in the middle and then the very large one to the right the acorns this is one of the uh, nomenclatures that is known for these. It's called an acorn. This is also de Glock. This is de Glock. This is absolutely 100% the you Nazi think it's, belt. You think Nazi belt, exactly. Yes. Yes, it is, it is absolutely the same thing. Anyone right now, you can stop this video, get on your Google machine, and type in de Glock, D-I-E, Glock, or Nazi bell, and you're going to see the same thing. It's the same profile. Now, this is what Tim and I had discussed that the Glock was most likely Mercury powered through fans and that it was more of a recreation of the Vimanas than it was the other technology. And, and he claims, and once again, we have to take, uh, take Tim for his word. He, he's under the assumption that the Vimanas 
or more of a man-made creation um, through some sort of a uh, an extraterrestrial help or angelic help than it was an angelic or extraterrestrial craft right? because of the use of completely earthbound materials. Does that make sense? It does. Um, Jim Mars really broke down the Nazi bell. It was his considered opinion that um, um, kind of a, like a mini Stargate, it could jump through time, uh, space and go from one continent to the other, and that's how some of the Nazis escaped to Argentina. And this is what Jim was able to trace. Paul Preston interviewed somebody, and I, gosh, I can't remember the name now. He played the interview for me. Uh, if you said the name, I'd know it has a V in his name. But he said pretty much the same thing. And um, all the scientists that worked on the Nazi bell were executed before they left. Every one of them. And the Nazis that my dad worked with knew the story. They knew that their colleagues had been murdered over this. Um, but my dad wasn't able to... He was told not to pursue the Nazi bell thing. He wanted to use it to reverse engineer what they knew because some of them had worked on it and were transferred out, luckily for them. And he wanted to, re- to reverse engineer the technology uh, on the drawing board, and he was told to stop it. Why? Why do you think? Well, because they that means that somebody already had it. They didn't need to do it, and they didn't want this information out there. They wanted to control it. See, with a craft like this, the problem with opening portals is what are you opening portals to? You know, I mean, you open portals to the bottomless abyss, and you may have a very rude <laughs> surprise. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about, though. How did the, We know some of the Nazis escaped through submarines, but we also know the Nazi bell was used to relocate a lot of Nazis. Well, the and once again, I, I find a lot of this to be speculation because it's hard to verify a lot of this information, man. The only thing you can do is just... Gain it as you gain it. The but, guy that Paul Paul Preston interviewed talked to um, who was the number two guy in the Nazis, Himmler. Um, talked to Himmler's maid in Argentina, and she knew everything about this. He gave she gave him chapter and verse, and what I'm telling you is pretty consistent to what uh, Jim Mars was able to track down on his own. They well, told pretty much the same story. I, I think there was. Two versions of the Glock, and if I'm correct, the first one is one that they reported had a catastrophic malfunction, killed a lot of the scientists. But this, so the Glock was part of the America Bomber project. All right, you had the Glock, and then you had Werner von Braun and his team who created the multi-stage rockets, which was your Vengeance One and Vengeance Two rockets that we rained down on uh, on Britain. And if it wasn't for him, we would have never got the Saturn pro- uh, project or the Mercury or any of that. But you originally, you talk about Warner von Braun. Yeah, yeah, von Braun. Von Braun is the one who created that first stage, second stage, third straight, uh, third stage rocket, and it was originally created so that it could be um, flown, I believe, from Norway over into either DC or New York to drop their bomb because in Norway is where they were trying to create heavy water. So they wanted to be able to create the bomb um, right there and load yeah, it this, immediately up. This is something I know a fair amount about. Let me interject this. The guy who was in charge of what you're alluding to here, on in the they called it the German Uranium Club. And a guy named Heisenberg was in charge. 
And interestingly enough, the History Channel did a 55-minute piece on this, and now you can't get it today. They're totally smashed it, got rid of it. But I saw it, I took notes, and I did record it. Uh, and it's on old VCR stuff. So um, this is something that, uh, well, again, Jim Mars knew about this. My dad knew about this. Heisenberg was never a member of the Nazi party. He had been working with Zalar before Zalar defected with Einstein. And, uh, oh gosh, Beatty, uh, who taught at Yale, was part of the Manhattan Project. He also had worked with Heisenberg. And here's, I mean, this is really, really interesting, Doug. This is so fascinating stuff. Uh, Hitler kept asking Heisenberg, how close are you? And he yeah. said, we got a, we got a ways to go. But he didn't want Hitler to have this technology. He didn't want him to have these bombs. And didn't they get a a professional uh, Major League Baseball player to try and assassinate Mo, him? Mo, yeah, Mo Vaughn, who was a third-string catcher for the Yankees, was dispatched because uh, he spoke German. And so he attended some of the conferences that Heisenberg would speak at, and he buddied up to him like he was an aging graduate student. I think I think uh, Mo Vaughn was probably 38, uh, 40 years Mo Berg was 38, 40 years old. And they they told him if he gives any indication he's got a super bomb, because this is what Einstein had told Roosevelt, that he was to kill him. And he said, I didn't kill him because I, he never mentioned anything. We walked through the streets of Zurich together. Now, here's what's really interesting about Heisenberg. Heisenberg told Hitler, too expensive, you're better off spending your money on conventional warfare. This is too unreliable technology. It's going to take a long time to master it. That was a lie. He did not want uh, Hitler to have this. He knew about the V-2 rockets, two-stage rockets. He knew what this meant for the world, and he kept it from Hitler. Now, people say, oh, that's all speculation. Well, both the History Channel, my sources, Jim Marr's sources said the same thing. When Heisenberg was captured at the end of World War II, they took him to Wembley House in England, and they kept him under lock and key, and they picked his brain about the technology, and he wasn't terribly cooperative. And then after we dropped the first bomb on Hiroshima, they came in and informed him what had happened. He sat down and in front of them mapped out how they did the chain reaction. He knew exactly how to do this. He's a hero, and no one wants to – Beta was a guy who came out against, oh, he's lying. Because Beta was an egotist, and it was not invented here. It didn't happen. But uh, Heisenberg saved this country. He was a German who saved this country from the Nazis. Absolutely, absolutely the case, Doug. I'm telling you, this well, is a true story. There's too many people that know it. Um, and so no, it's, it's, re- it's real. And I know we're getting off on a history lesson here, but this is good history that most people don't know. Um, well, no, let, I- let me, let me bring this back into focus. Okay. Into what Go we're ahead. talking about. Okay. Uh, you know, Annie DeRiso knows everybody in the UFO business and she's fully retired now. And that was Bill Pollock's, uh, uh, wife, uh, late Bill Pollock. Um, Annie one day calls me up and this is when we have a show on RBN. And I'm not happy with the stuff going on at RB. I'm ready to leave for various personal reasons. And Annie calls me up and she goes, how would you like to talk to Warner Von Braun's top secretary, Carol Ayton? And I said, yeah, what's she going to tell me? She said, she said, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to have the conversation. So we get, we're doing a three-way on the phone. 
And Carol, oh, Carol Rosen, that was her name. And she comes on and she said, yeah, I'm sitting in uh, Warner's office. And she said, two aliens just appeared. They were grace. And then he asked me to leave. And he went, he'd had a conversation with him for about 45 minutes. And she's telling the story. And then she went on to talk about they had contact with aliens when he was working with the Nazis. And this is what he told me. Now, I wanted to bring this out. This would have been 2013. I went independent at the end of 2013, early 2014. This is one of the reasons why I left RBN. John Statmiller wouldn't let me air the show. And I said, do you understand this rivals anything that Art Bell's doing? And I said, Art Bell's a great journalist. I love Art Bell. And I said, and right now we have a chance to stand with Art Bell and have someone come on and give a firsthand account of something so bizarre. I said, your ratings will go off the chart. He goes, oh, we won't do that. And later on, I found out, and don't want to speak ill of the dead. Sorry, John, but um, he uh, defend he defended the Nazis quite a bit. And this is why I left RBN. Um and there's good people at RBN, and I don't know if they know the story the way I know it. But the point is, I believe Carol Rosen. I believe that event happened. And Annie believes it, too, because she said she had other confirmation. So when people want to say that we're talking out our butts and we don't have any evidence, we got a lot of collaboration from people who do research. Well, this this started in the 40s, for us anyways. Yeah. After we got there with Operation or Project Dustpan, right before there was ever paperclip, you had Dustpan. And Heisenberg was one of many different scientists. And just like what Bob Lazar talked about with compartmentalization and the engineers, it was the same thing on the America Bomber Project. And they, man, they came up with everything that we have now. They came up with the jets, the helicopters, uh, the rockets. These guys made it. All right. And, and once again, this technology that they should not have really had access to because no one else was developing theoretical physics like they were at that point in time or the metallurgy um, to be able to accomplish a lot of these things. And, yeah, everyone was still kind of in the industrial revolution, piston-driven everything. But what they created, and I believe, I don't talk about this much, so I don't have any proof on it, but here we go. But I believe during Project Dustpan, we collected some scientists that the Russians were also after who yes. had this technology. We brought them over on paperclip, and that's what Von Braun got compartmentalized in with NASA and then other guys who were – and Von Braun worked exclusively on rockets. That was his deal. He was He was a rocketeer. But you had these other guys – these other guys who are working on something that we just didn't have a word in the science community for yet. And they got put on a special access program and went somewhere else, non-disclosed. And there was, you know, there was thousands of scientists from Germany, engineers who came over here that were undisclosed, but I still firmly believe that what we have came from them crossed over to here. And that's when all the weird stuff happened. That's when, uh, right after Paperclip, you got all the weird stuff Dave and I have always talked about with your MK Ultra and Mockingbird and all this other stuff, right? But that, yeah. this all came from the Nazis. Did, no, not entirely. Not entirely. Mostly. Almost exclusively, but not entirely. Um, I had an experience as a child. I've never told you this. Um, I got pneumonia, and I must have been about seven or eight years old. And so I got put in an Army hospital at Fitzsimmons Army Base in Aurora, Colorado. 
And um, my dad used to take under guard some of these scientists they were working with off base because they were worried about CIA penetration and DIA penetration. And I, you know, I was really sick. My dad and I did a lot of baseball stuff together. And um, so one day my, I'm in the hospital, like for three days. And one of the days my dad shows up and he's got a baseball. And I said, Oh, thanks dad. He goes, didn't come from me. And I said, well, where'd it come from? He said, a Russian friend of mine. Now I wasn't smart enough to pursue this at seven years of age. I thought, well, dad, I thought the Russians hated us. He goes, not this one. He wants you to have this. He knows you're sick. So he brought me this baseball. Small anecdotal story. Cycle forward to 1984 and 85 when my dad's telling me the details of this stuff. And he said, yeah, I remember he said, we had a couple of Russians that besides the Germans that we had. He said the Germans captured some of them, transported them back to Germany in their invasion of uh, Russia. And he said, we had we had two of them that we were working with. And he said some of these Russians worked hand in hand with the Nazis on some of this stuff. So it wasn't exclusively Nazis. They actually had commandeered uh, Russian scientists and took them back to Germany, and they worked on this stuff. See, so um, in, in a way, you're almost a secondhand whistleblower because your dad, if he was still around, would have knowledge of things that are working right now that we're looking at. Well, the key is secondhand. But uh, Bill Pollock flew Jim Mars in to meet me. And I had dealt with Jim electronically through Bill, and I had interviewed him on the show I started. But uh, he told Bill, he said, he's, uh, Bill told Jim, he said, Dave is not going to give up very much about his dad's work because his mom's still alive. And my mom would have been subject her property to the national security oath my dad signed. And if we, he got caught uh, revealing state secrets, they could have taken everything he owned. And that would include where my mom lived. Yeah, and so yeah. so we had to be, you know, I think it was Security Oath four fifty, is what they called it. So, um, Vance Davis was part of this too, and Vance and Bill told Jim Mars, Dave may talk to you in person. We'll talk to him. So they called me up and says, "Would you do a semi full disclosure?" I said, "There's things I will not say. I don't care who it's to, not even you guys." But I said, "I will tell him a significant amount to make his trip worthwhile." So Bill paid for Jim to fly into the Phoenix airport. We went off site to a restaurant and we were there for six hours. And uh, Jim walked away and said, 90% of what Dave has told me, I can confirm through my sources in the military. He said, the other 10%, I don't know. But he said, he said, his dad did what he said he did. And, um, and that started the friendship between Jim and I, where we started sharing when my mom passed, um, then I could open up a little more with Vance and Bill and Jim. And um, you know, it's an interesting story how I got started here. People say, well, how do you meet all these people? Because some people don't believe me. I heard Vance Davis. The first time I ever heard uh, Art Bell show was on KTR radio. My, my wife's out of town. Uh, I'm listening to the Suns game on the radio, not feeling well. I'm in bed. The game is over. And then the Art Bell show comes on. At that time, it was on this station called KTAR. And Vance comes on, and he's talking about the secret space program. And I'm having a holy poop moment because he's saying stuff I know I can't talk about. 
So I this time you don't have the internet. This is like 1992. So I'm going through all the ways I want to get a hold of Vance Davis because I figured he's probably pretty safe to talk to because he's saying things I can't say. And so eventually I'm able to leave him a message, and it's Bill Pollock that calls me to screen me. He wanted to know if I was for real. That's how I broke into this group. And and then because I had credible information, they invited me to those uh, meetings they used to have with astronauts and with scientists, and we had to sign non-disclosure agreements, and we used to meet in La Placitas, New Mexico. And that started in 1997. So, Doug, that's my history with this. This is something I know pretty well. Um, and my conclusion is, though, and, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but and, and I know I'm influenced because I'm a Christian, but the Nazis were into the occult. The Nazis really brought this forth to the world, the modern world. And I think these are demonic entities. And, and, and here's my position on this. They can masquerade as aliens and they can play all these games and this and that and the other. The bottom line is you have to fight the enemy that's in front of you. It doesn't matter what you call them. Right. Whether it's an ET or whether it's a demonic being. Okay, it doesn't matter. You still have to fight the enemy that's in front of you. That's why I don't think it's productive to get into these intramural discussions. We have an enemy right now that's being identified in this Clayton Morris piece that you're playing. These people, these entities, whatever they are, they are enemies of humanity. And those enemies of humanity are tied in with humanity. Well, I believe they control our government now. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, especially with the testimony that we'll listen to. So let's let's get back to this real quick. All right. This who was in there, and these on the right are man-made. They were late Mercury era, out of 59 through early 60s in their construction mm-hmm. because we had mastered gravity control in October 1954. So he goes on from there. Now, one- All right, let's, uh, let's skip forward a little bit. And, and told us this story. Listen. Thank you all for being here. Um, what I'm about to tell you hasn't been something that I've disclosed until recently in the help of Dr. Greer, among other people. So I appreciate your help with this. In 2009, we were my unit, which was the most degraded infantry battalion in the entire Marine Corps, which was 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines, was called in to do humanitarian assistance operations out in the Philippines, which was Operation Kitsana. And we flew to the southwestern part of the city, which is Padang, Looked a lot uh, different through satellite imagery that I've recently seen. Back then, is a lot different. I also want to make something very uh, clear to people. This guy is also has a Mason, a Freemason's uh, tie clip. Oh, he does. Are you sure that's Freemason or is that Eastern Star? No, that's Freemason. Okay. It's hard to tell because it's small. Yeah, no, no, that's Freemason. I grew up looking at it with my dad. It was all over the place. So that's that's exactly what that is. So interesting. Well, the, 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 bottom the guy's line is a Mason. Doug, no, no, it's not. It's not amazing. And I'll tell you why. My dad didn't like the Masons, but to do the intelligence work he did, they made him become a 32nd degree Mason. And he never bought into the crap. My mom was forced because she was his spouse to become an Eastern star, which is the female equivalent of the Masons. And uh, and I asked my dad about that. He said, I didn't buy their BS, never bought their BS. But he goes, in my work, they demanded that we had this. And um, 
I remember when I told Richard Hoagland this, he had a holy crap moment. He goes, man, he goes, he, he said, you're the third person to tell me this in the recent times. And I just said, it's how they control the information, Richard. And that's what I was trying to explain to him. See, they didn't control it through the military as much as they tried to control it through the Masons because they wanted an extra military source to be in charge of the information. Yeah. See, see, military stuff eventually becomes uh, subject to Freedom Information Act. At some point in time, it gets declassified. If it's for the Masons, they don't have that obligation. And once again, it's my problem with the whole secret society thing. They can't be trusted, in my mind. Especially because most of it was decimated on fire, rubble, flooded, you name it. Basically the worst kind of scenario you could ever see. We trekked up about 300 meters. When we got to this high point, I was taking video camera, and I had actually turned to the north, which just kind of slopes down. And right there was something that stuck out like a sore thumb, especially with jungle terrain, things like that. Junk, you know, vegetation, very green stuff, was something that stuck out so well. It's always going to be basically imprisoned in my mind for the rest of my life, and it has been for 14 years. Was something that was rotating, and it was transitioning between colors like a light uh, matte gray as well as a dark matte black. You can see that the craft here actually had uh, roughly about 300 feet. And the reason why I know this is because you could fit three of the helicopters that we flew in on underneath this craft. And it had an audible hum to it, kind of like a guitar amp if you were to unplug that, or like a transformer. It's very audible. If I was to hear that sound again, I could tell you, okay, it's probably this thing or something similar to that. It's very distinct. And the way that it was floating, which was about 10 or 15, 20 feet off the ground, it was kind of a very eerie thing to see because I've never seen anything like that in my life. When we got up to that point, we were then intercepted by a team of um, soldiers or um, rogue military force, if you will. The most concerning thing about this is they all had American dialects. They had American gear. They had OTVs, black. They had black camouflage. They had very similar setups to what we had, but more high speed, something what you would see special operation, operation groups these days have. They had no insignias on. They had no ranks. They had nothing that would signify who they were. They had black ball caps. They had M4A4s that were equipped with ACOGs, which was a step up from what we were currently issued, as well as PEC-16 IR illumination devices that you use for night vision and uh, night patrols, things like that. So we were engaged. We had eight of them drop, put the drop on us. You could audibly hear them flow the safety selectors off. They basically started screaming at us, telling that what we were doing, we were not allowed to be there, who were we with, what were we doing there, um, threatened that they could kill us right then and there, we could get lost in the jungle, they could throw us out of a helicopter if they needed to. Um, it was very nerve-wracking at that point, especially looking to my fellow Marines and seeing the reactions on their faces, too. We were all freaking scared. At that time, there was four of these trucks, which were uh, F-350s. They were up-armored. They were pretty beefy. They had um, weapon cases that I've seen before because of something that we've actually loaded weapons into. They had two of them that were in the back of each truck. They also had these containers that was illustrated right here, which come to find out through recent relevations from yesterday from uh, somebody who came forward to Dr. Greer. I don't know who they are, but what they had told him And what he has told me is that this gentleman knows exactly what these were used for because they had like a cylinder on the front, which is either for oxygen or what I hypothesized was for vacuum sealing, uh, which lead me to um, suspect that they were smuggling narcotics or drugs. Uh, Come to find out it's more disturbing than that. 
um, this gentleman has first-hand account with this and says that it was for people. It's very disheartening, especially because that part of the world have already gotten ravaged and it's something that is very hard to see right now because of what I've witnessed. And it's very disheartening. And this is why I'm up here. <laughs> so I know tra- about this, Doug. I know about this. Uh, it's not just the Philippines. It's the Golden Triangle in Southeast Asia. And that's what this group is. And there were numerous reports during the Vietnam War about the discraft. Um, was um, what, what you had there, and he's absolutely right, it's a trifecta. It's uh, drug running for heroin. It was uh, child trafficking out of Thailand, and um, it was abductions in Vietnam. And there was also other nefarious activities going on, too. Uh, This is one of the reasons why Kennedy was taken out. The other leg of this was profits for the military-industrial complex and their bank supporters. And these banks also support these activities of the group this guy encountered. This is something I know a fair amount about on this. And what he encountered was an operation, obviously, in the Philippines that I wasn't aware of. But I know this is one of the reasons why we were in Vietnam. It wasn't anything to do politically to stop communism. They were there, um, and it was a huge – like today, if you want to go and have a country based on prostitution and child prostitution, go to Thailand. That's where you go. And this is something else I know about, too, and I'm not going to identify the person – but someone's spouse that I've already mentioned in this program, someone's spouse um, knows all about this because he was in Vietnam. And today, even though he's older, he goes and rescues um, houses of prostitution with young girls. And he's liberated over 30 of them. And uh, I know this for a fact. I've talked to the guy in person and I know, let's put it this way. I know what I'm talking about. I just don't want to divulge because I could compromise his operations. I don't want to expose him. Um, what we also know is that Kennedy, this is where the Kennedy assassination comes in, Doug. Um, people think that the one of the reasons why Kennedy was killed is uh, because he was costing the military-industrial complex profits in Vietnam because he was not going to allow Vietnam to occur. In fact, he announced he was pulling the combat advisors out in 1964. Memorandum 222, 223, and 224. But that's not it. That's only part of it. The military-industrial complex profits are just part of this operation. It was very much tied to what we're talking about here now. It was abduction of kids, prostitution. It was drug running. uh, And then it was the military-industrial complex. That's why Kennedy was killed. One of the major reasons why. And then, you know... He, he pissed on their cornflakes too. I mean, he took away the oil depletion allowance. Okay, um, he um, he did the uh, silver bullion, uh, con, con, you know, conflict with the uh, uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, those are other reasons, but those were like cherries on top of the assassination pie. The reason he was killed was because of Vietnam, and Vietnam went way beyond military industrial complex profits. Well, that was a huge CIA operation, and you know. It's it's documented loosely. I say the rumors and scuttlebutt are that we use these heavy triple canopy like uh, lush jungle areas in the Pacific to do this type of operations because it's easier to disclose these craft 
from any type of unwanted surveillance from satellites. Partly. That's that's another reason why they use it. Partly. um, Putin came out a couple of times. One time was before the 2016 election, and he said, if the U.S. doesn't divulge what they know about UFOs, I will. And Putin, having supported North Vietnam, you know, his uh, the, the Russians and when he was in the KGB, he would have had access to this information, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what was going on there. He knows about this exotic craft, and that's what he's threatening to expose. And what Putin is threatening, it's not the existence of UFOs. That's People don't understand what he's really saying. What he's really saying by exposing this stuff is that I will expose what your deep state is into. That's what Putin's really saying here. Right. Right, because why didn't he come out and say it? Because I remember him saying that, but six years later, seven years later, he never came out with anything. It's hard to even speculate as to why, but I know he knows. Being where he was in the KGB at the time of Vietnam and post-Vietnam, because that, that, that crap didn't start when our, when our troops pulled out. It still was going on. Um, he would have had reason to know. He would have absolutely had reason to know. I'll tell you what some people say, Doug, and I can't confirm this. But one of the reasons the Russians went into Afghanistan is they were worried about the resurrection of the giants being demonic spirits that are talked about in the book of Genesis. The Russians were worried about that. If you look at what Russian helicopters focused on, it wasn't Kabul. It was the mountainous areas where the rumors are there are uh, giants. I don't know if that's true. We know people who believe that. But uh, Afghanistan never made sense for Russia. There had to be something above and beyond just being in Afghanistan. And then our troops get in there and we're there forever and a day. So there, there was some lure there, and I don't know if Afghanistan's connected to it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Well, Afghan- was. Afghanistan was a was a honeypot trap for drugs, for one thing. That's but they true. also had very rare earth minerals there, too, that a growing military-industrial complex like ours and like theirs needed. And that whole area, that I believe that's called the Pesh area. My brother fought up in that area while he was in the Army. And uh, that that's some nasty hill country. Here, let's continue with this. And um, I have not spoken about it ever since I was able to recently because what the law passed. But that is my account for you guys. This is also an urging for anybody in Washington, D.C. as a political figure. Please get this under control because there are people who are either being hurt or killed by this. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Please. Hurt or killed. Okay, let's go to the next guy. Now, um, former Sergeant Stephen Digna, he was injured while he was on this range that he was a, uh, a range safety officer on, and he was he was injured by an explosion. So if you're hearing um, strange patterns in his speech, it's from traumatic brain injury. As it can be at this time, to the best of my ability, and I have prepared to swear this to testimony under oath before the Senate and Congress. <sighs> I'm a former sergeant in the United States Army. I began active duty service in 1999, and I served until 2002. In July of 2001, I was observing a live fire practice uh, at a live hole from an, uh, an observation deck at approximately three stories high from the desert floor. I saw a craft in the distance, 
at approximately 200 feet off the ground, measuring 107, approximately 172 feet across. Strongly, strongly remembers it, resembling a hovering B-2 spirit. Once my eyes adjusted, I could make out the general shape of the craft. Phoenix lights. The two men from Raytheon present. I pulled out my night vision goggles to get a better look. One of the two men on the observation deck, uh, observation deck from Raytheon noticed the night vision goggles I had. He went from chattering cheerfully. Uh, they were pretty relaxed. They'd seen these before. It wasn't abnormal to them. Uh, uh, he looked at me with a very, very severe uh, look of disapproval and anger uh, that I had. Uh, at that point, we both, uh, they both went calmly inside, probably a little bit angry. And uh, I want to stop that real quick. He mentioned night vision device. So any of you, if you're in the military, you know that if you have an actual pair of military-grade uh, MVGs, night vision goggles, night vision devices, PVS 14s and up. And when you look up into the sky, you see stars that the, that the regular eye cannot see. And you can see things moving in the sky that the regular eye cannot see. And that's where quite a bit of reports of UFOs from military members come from is at night with their MVGs looking into the sky, seeing like what you saw at the Phoenix lights, very similar, the flying V shape, the flying wedge which uh, I'll say is another one of the things that was created by two British or excuse me, two German brothers who were part of the America bomber program, which eventually became the very well-known black Manta, which is the TR three B, which is produced by Boeing. You can actually look that up. Uh, it felt like as though I had crossed the line. I took another uh, look with my night vision goggles. The reason this event was not uh, reported uh, was due to the fact that it was not unidentified. I'm going to repeat this very clearly to the cameras. This craft was not unidentified. This was on our birds. And uh, to the observer controller that called that out on the range, I'm not going to put his call sign out. Uh, Roger up, eyes on, hands on confirmation. That's our bird. But she doesn't need wind to get lift. She was hovering stationary. Uh, This was, uh, I'm going to interject here. Sorry, guys. This was very dangerous. This light, this craft showed up un, unscheduled. I got no notification. My job was to maintain command and control, and to be the hub and uh, top observer controller for the tactical operation consent, uh, command center for live fire desert warfare. That's the largest live fire warfare center for desert warfare on the planet and uh, in history. So uh, any any moving objects that are on that dinner, uh, on that desert uh, floor or in those skies are supposed to be coordinated between myself and another group uh, that I directly worked with with the uh, civilian personnel through Raytheon and the Air, United States Air Force. So everything that's on that base. He- All right. And now he mentioned Raytheon. Raytheon, once again, is another one of many government contractors that are working with uh, advanced weaponry. Almost took a contract with them, actually. Same time, my car's power steering. And right, the now, engines. now here. Um, he's, so here's Stephen. Yeah, he's going to talk about a abduction that happened to him uh, within the same week of seeing this unidentified flying craft that happened to be one of ours, according to the Raytheon representatives. Digna whistleblower who had his life ruined as a result of it. So remember, he saw this Raytheon craft. He saw the members of Raytheon at his facility that he's in charge of, and he didn't know that they were going to be doing this test flight. They didn't tell him. He's in charge of it. Then, a few days later, he's on leave, and he goes with his wife. He's on leave from the base. They're going to go to the movies. 
And suddenly a craft appears as they're driving to the movies. They've now pinpointed the GPS location. He's turned this over to congressional testimony. And here's what happened. And he, he was abducted. Listen to this. If you think what we just talked about was crazy, this is even crazier. See was a bright light through all of my windows. And at that exact same time, my car's power steering and the engine's electrical system, everything died, completely died. Uh, when, uh, when I exited the vehicle, I rushed towards the front end of the car, believing there was someone pointing a floodlight at us. I had some words to say to that man. I stepped through a thick field of white plasma that encompassed, encompassed a spheroid craft. As I turned to go inspect my, uh, the craft, my wife opened the door, and she ran out towards the front of the car, and she was yelling, Steve, no. She was instantaneously locked in place in a bright white field of plasma. As I looked at her... I thought to myself, it's okay, she's in stasis lock. That, that plasma enveloped her body with about six inches. As these, this thud resonated in my body, I felt my molecular or my cells, uh, maybe the quantum level of my body, feel like it was being resonated. I felt like maybe I'm going to be microwaved uh, or something to that nature. Either way, I seen some bands coming through. I began lifting up off the ground. My vehicle began lifting with me also. As this happened, my body tipped back, and I could see the underbelly of the craft. You're going to see that design right in front of you. Uh, this, the rectangular shape right in the center there looked like a docking socket for an electrical port. And I was staring up at the ceiling, uh, and my vision cued into a very, very bright white light. My vision panned over, and there was my wife flat on her back on a table. It was smaller than the table I was laying on, slightly lowered, and she still had the same exact expression on her face like she was screaming no. However, she was no longer stuck in the running position. She was flat. So uh, after that had happened, uh, I saw a female right next to me. She was taking some samples from me. It was a human female. She had red hair. Uh, She had very fair skin. Uh, And uh, after that moment, I also, as I panned over, I could see the window. And the desert behind me, I realized we were not in space. I could see the desert floor. I could see the exact two rock formations and one far off in the the distance. Uh, So this is pinpointed by by GPS coordinates. So. All right. So we'll we'll move on to the next witness, which I think is probably the most profound. Um, But I did have a ginger joke to be made in that. Apparently the invasion of the gingers did happen. Um, what, what do you take of his testimony, Dave? Um, on surface value, credible mannerisms as you're observing. There's no inconsistency. It's inconsistency I observe between his body language and the content of his speech. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this next guy. This next guy worked in Antarctica at a base in Antarctica. I was waiting for this. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I have already given all pertinent information and Eric supporting Ecker. documentation to the Senate Intelligence Raytheon Committee and Arrow. They informed me that all of my information will be recorded for public record and shared with Congress. It is that important. In 2010, I was selected to go down to the South Pole Station in Antarctica for an entire year by Raytheon Polar Services as an employee of a third-party contractor for the National Science Foundation. I function in a dual-role capacity as a tradesman and a firefighter. My responsibilities required me to be more informed than most of my crew and offered me complete access to the facilities. 
What I learned from this unique experience needs to be shared with the entire world. The technology at the South Pole Station certainly can do what it is presented as its primary purposes, and unfortunately, much more. The IceCube neutrino detector is presented as a passive listening device for the purposes of the science as presented. But I'm going to skip right through the chase, folks. Uh, I have provided documentation that proves that the 5,160, what they call DOMs, that are embedded in the ice can actually transmit at 2,047 volts each. That gives us a long list of things to consider. It is effectively a multifaceted directed energy weapons platform that I will uh, list rapidly a few things. Harp. That's a that's a harp machine, if I'm correct. I think it's do. also. I think it's well. Vehicle I don't know detection. if it's. I was going to say this. I don't think it, it probably is harp. But it's an advanced version that's weaponized. Yeah, I mean they they probably have similar technology, and then they just pinpointed it for what they're using it for now. Um, Jim, we're learning that these off-world. Cra- Go ahead. It, this is really an aside, but um, I've watched in the first eight years uh, every episode of Stargate SG One and uh, the weaponization of the South Pole to defend against uh, alien invasion was a central theme in one of the seasons. And I'm a big believer in predictive programming. I see evidence of it every day. And I, I th- when he just revealed this right here, I agree with you with HARP. And it's also weather modification, but it's weaponization, Doug, because I think we need to explain how this works. You create a frequency that goes up to the ionosphere, and you can bring it back narrow beam or broad beam. You can induce paranoia, passivity, with frequencies, and I've, we've talked about that before. It's well established, but also too, you can weaponize it. It can turn into a laser t- kind of weapon. Um, and uh, the fact that it's at the South Pole is extremely interesting to me. And do you know why it's interesting to me? Why? Because in the 2016 aftermath of the election, before Obama left office, oh, the big meeting. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And I will tell you, there's a lot of people that will tell you this is the home of the evil one. I don't know if that's true. Some people say it's in the Great Abyss. Some people say it's in Antarctica. Uh, But this place is very significant. Let's hear what he has to say. Craft, on-world craft, ours or other nations are also emitting neutrinos. So this makes the South Pole Station effectively an air traffic control station for this new level of equipment that nobody's discussing. In addition to the ability to detect neutrinos and the exotic vehicles, I have provided documentation that shows that this is also a system for faster-than-light communications. In the past, Gary McKinnon has hacked NASA found the off-world fleet, the list of captains, and it's apparent that if we have faster-than-light vehicles moving throughout the system, we're going to need faster-than-light communications. This is that facility. Unfortunately, I have other bad news. The season Doug, that I was there, 2010 to 2000... He's talking Stargates. That's, that's, that's the facilitator of faster-than-light. He's talking about Stargate technology. Well, he also said that there's an off-world fleet, and he knows names of captains that are involved in this off-world fleet. I don't know how much to believe in that, but that's... Uh, No, no, no. Believe it. Believe it. Because, as you know, I have a source 
that was once in the secret space force. Now it's the public agency. Um, not doc. I'm not going to say any more than that. No, 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 not doc. <laughs> um, someone I grew up with, I'll just put it that way. And, um, he claims the same thing. He claims exactly the same thing, but it's not part of the space force that we know publicly. Some of the secrecy of the old space force, you know, Trump modern didn't modernize it, but he made it public so they get more funding. Some of it was left alone to still remain a black operation. And that's what he's talking about here. What do you suppose the, uh, these spheres that are buried under the ice are? Are these the nodes that he's talking about? It could be, but I, I will tell you what the Hopis say. Remember I told you about I had the grandson of a Hopi elder in my class, and then we started these fascinating discussions, and it even attracted the attention of Vance Davis, former NSA, and Bill Pollock. And what what this person kept telling me was he called them searcher and craft, and I've never been able to make sense of that term, but they were craft that were stored in key locations around the planet and they're biometrically accessed, and we can't figure out how to overcome the biometric blocks. So in other words, someone's DA or something's DNA can activate the craft so they can access it and operate it. And this this is something I also know about. Um, and Vance Davis has some of this as well, too. The federal building in Phoenix was built on prime downtown land at a time when pro sports teams Baseball and basketball were moving into the area. The land was out of sight, expensive. And they had a, a executive session with the Phoenix City Council. And I know because the Phoenix City Council and Francis uh, Emma Barwood uh, told Vance and I in a dinner we went to with her and her husband that they were told by the FBI, terrorism, bad, bad, bad. We've stopped 30 terrorist attacks. You need to build the federal center, blah, 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 blah. And they gave into it, and they gave them this prime land worth about $30 million. Today, when you walk down there, Vance and I walk the perimeter. Now, I wouldn't know what to look for, but Vance would. He goes, there's your Faraday cage. Here's what they're doing there. He could see the outside. The building to this day, even though we're getting, what, 30 years past the event, the building is still only about 5% occupied. You could drive by in work hours and only see 10 vehicles in the parking lot. And what we have learned is the craft, the secret craft, like what you're referencing here that's buried in Antarctica, it's also buried under the city of Phoenix, and this is the entry point, and they're using the federal center to go down there and explore. Well, and the Hopis say the same thing about the Grand Canyon, too. That's true. Yep. 11, we converted from uh, construction to operations and maintenance in both the elevated station and the detector array. Unfortunately, when they first fired it up, that was when we had the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. There was two incidental shots before they were able to target it correctly. This is an earthquake-generating device as well. That's true. This is the weapons Air, of war Air, that we have Air to Force owning the weather in 2025. Yep. yep. I witnessed myself a very powerful green laser shooting out of the top of this facility into the cosmos. This, I believe, is a secondary form of long-range communications and or a defense system. I am not saying that we need to be scared of anything that's out there, but please understand the military-industrial complex is happy to invest all of your money in alleviating their fears. And that, to me, is the bottom. Well, you know, he's talking about the laser beam being shot up out of the sky. That's the next generation 
of uh, communication by laser beam. This is second generation from what Nick Begich exposed in 1997 in his book, uh, Angels Don't Play This Harp, H-A-A-R-P, named after the technology. Vance, I'm not, I mean, Doug, I'm not going to get specific here, but you know I have a really good ex-military source, really good. He was a signatory and a participant in Air Force Owning the Weather 2025. I published their patents on my website in 2014, well before this ever came out. And he gave it to me. He says, put it out there and scare the hell out of them. And that's not the words he used. But he said, we need to send a message. This is an earthquake device. This guy is correct. But it's also a hurricane device. They can direct hurricanes. It's Air Force Owning the Weather 2025 is the name. And if you go to the Common Sense Show and go to the search engine and put Air Force Owning the Weather 2025, you'll get a series of articles that I've written on this. Yeah, Dave's been talking about this for years, so I do suggest you go to thecommonsenseshow.com and research it. Um, Dave, let's wrap this up. So we got witness testimony from three different witnesses. We got a Marine, a sergeant, and a firefighter uh, that was out in Antarctica. Uh, one was human trafficking. Another one's a guy that was abducted because he saw something he shouldn't have. And then the third guy... Uh, who actually is going to be on redacted soon and being interviewed. So that'll be great. Um, is going to disclose about the bases and the UFO stuff that's going on in Antarctica. Now, everything that you see, what the government brings out as a psyop, no matter benevolent or malevolent, it's always a psyop. There's always an agenda. Yeah. Always. Um, what do you think this agenda is? Do you think this agenda? is benign do you think there's nothing really to it they're just coming out with the evidence that they have and then it'll all settle down or do you think that it's going to progressively overload and the and the politics will get involved in it because now congress is is saying here soon we're going to have a open testimony where we're going to invite everybody in we're going to talk about all this and we're going to start doing an investigation um, their, invest- their investigations don't mean jack squat. No, it uh, doesn't. But I wouldn't be. I would not be the slightest bit surprised if we don't have a terrorist there, attack soon. Exactly. They need another distraction. Yeah. I. I. Um. Here's my best guess, and it's what my father defaulted on. Okay, Nazis, the occult, demonic, not aliens, pretending to be aliens. Trying to get the world under one government, which will be satanic, and then basically try to get the world to destroy itself. So all of humanity is destroyed, God's prized possession, Satan's revenge against the Lord. And in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it says that the Lord didn't return for the second time. Jesus didn't come back. There would be no flesh left alive. That's what I think this is, Doug. And listen, do I know for sure? No, I don't. But what I'm giving people is biblically based. Um, and, and I'm going to say this, you got to treat this as if it's aliens, because that's the form it's being presented in. You got to fight the enemy that's in front of you. And it's a threat. It's always a threat. It is and, a threat. And with the threat will come new policies and new restrictions and new yeah. laws and new government branches and new weapons and a new enemy. It's uh, Independence Day. Remember in Independence Day? They featured the Iranian military. We're going to combine with the Americans. And it was just a real 10-second clip. But Uh, It was was New World Order. That's it. That was the message. We have one world government. And that was my dad's default position. He warned me about Project Bluebeam in 1985. He said, 
this is where I think all of this crap is going. Von Braun did too on his deathbed. Remember, he said, "Hey, he did. He did. watch out, watch out for Blue Beam. You're gonna see some funny lights in the skies. Uh, don't be scared. That's us." Well, the other thing is too. Uh, Carol Rosen, Warner von Braun's secretary, said the same thing to Annie and myself. Uh, Warner von Braun did believe that, and it just wasn't his deathbed. He had confided that in her prior to him ever becoming sick. He knew about this for a long time. Right. Um, and I, and I do believe these entities beamed into his office, but I don't believe they're necessarily alien. Um, you got to remember when Jesus was fasting, remember the 40 days and 40 nights and you had, uh, Satan came and said, here's the earth. You can have this all. You just have to serve me. Do you remember that in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, this is part of what I think we're seeing here. There's going there's been inducements for people in the World Economic Forum, uh, for the World Health Organization to go along with the satanic agenda, sell out humanity, and we will save you and you'll be kings on the earth. That's what I think they're telling them. Well, and then every, everyone else gets bought off because of money. And everyone's going to go into a mass panic the moment they, they, the moment they roll out the first alien, either real or some dude in a suit. I'm, are um, you going to panic? I'm not going to panic because I know uh, what it is. I, I mean, if if I can't kill it with six five Creedmoor and a flamethrower, I'm screwed. So, <laughs> well, I think it's, I think you got another weapon here. <laughs> I I uh, rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. That's that's your answer to these entities that they show up in front of you. We will overcome them with the word of our testimony. I had but a this- I, I had a young girl. I mean, young girl. We were both about 20 and we're in college and she invited me over a place um, to we we're working on a project in a class and we got off on the subject of aliens. And uh, she said, they're really demons. And I'll never forget this. It was, it, it was the only time I really talked to her privately outside class. And I said, what makes you say that? She goes, because they're pretending to be one thing and they're another. And she goes, all you have to do is plead the bl- bl- blood of Jesus Christ. That conversation made an impression on me because it set the stage. This was late 70s, and this set the stage for when my dad started telling me stuff six, seven years later that I asked him. And this is how we got into the entities discussion about where are they really from? Are they from Zeta Reticuli or are they from uh, from hell? Um, another thing, too, that we did mention before we close I don't know if I can still get my hands on this, but when I went to Bill Pollock's seminars where we bring in these high-powered people under non-disclosure agreements, um, they played tapes of various things. And one of the things they showed were craft in space playing war games. They'd line up and you'd see them make the military kind of maneuvers, just like they were fighter craft on the earth playing a war game. But then you'd see this, uh, uh, like these beams of light. You assume they're weapons that were being fired out of the craft. This is is on tape. And um, then out of South America, and you couldn't determine where, there was a huge pulse beam weapon that came up as part of this war game. And um, you know how the constellation Orion is the central part of um, the the, uh, nomenclature of the pyramids? Yes. 17,500 years ago, every pyramid on the earth would line up with the constellation Orion at the equinox. That was 17,500 years ago. And you can figure this out by using a program called uh, uh, Procession. 
and you could just march the stars back to see where they're at. At the end of this war game that was in space, um, everything and the cameras turned to the constellation Orion at the conclusion of it. It's almost like it's a religion, Doug. That was the sense I got when I watched it. I brought that up. And some of the people in that meeting, I said, do you think this is like a religion here with their fascination with Orion? Because who are the Egyptians? Uh, the Book of the Dead, what was that about? That was about you go to Orion when you die. I wonder if Orion is really where hell's at. That that was one thing that I thought about. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to come across a lot of testimony here soon. Uh, more news is going to come out. This is going to capture everybody. You're going to have guys from the Pentagon and CIA and all the other three letter agencies. They're going to come out and talk about this, and it's going to gain a lot of momentum. It's going to scare the hell out of a lot of people. Probably going to have something to do with the stock market crashing, the banks crashing, and they, they'll, they'll combine all these threats and possibilities into one threat picture. But the one thing that you need to do, listening to us, biggest advice we can give you, is train, prep, and pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in the American dollar anymore. I don't think many other people do. I don't see us getting out of this recession. Um, you have noble gold. That's always one good place. So, you know, you can revisit uh, your, your American food, dollar. Food, water, guns, gold, ammo, natural medicine, and tools. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to yeah. disappear fast. When all this starts to go downhill. That's why I try to tell people and people think you're just trying to sell stuff, Dave. Well, yeah, I am selling stuff, but the bottom line is there's a shelf life on getting this stuff. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how Dave and I make a living. I mean, that's, that's advertisement. That is what it is. Um, but, but you notice I don't sell anything except for the, my pillow. When we did that brief thing there for comfort, but pretty much everything I sell is all about what I feel you're going to need. Yeah. And that's uh, and I put my money where my mouth is. Like we talk about noble gold, get your money out of the bank, get your retirement out of the bank because they can take it under Dodd Frank and then put it in precious metals. Um, I'm a customer of noble gold. I mean, I put my mouth money where my mouth is, and and what I'm telling people, I'm say it again: food, water, guns, gold, ammo, natural medicine, and tools. You need those essentials. There's more you need than that, but that's really where you start. And and it's not a sales pitch, people. This is what, it, it, unless you want to be in the beast system, okay, if you want to be in CBDC, which will lead you right into the beast system, you got to be independent to be outside the beast system. And those are the elements that I'm mentioning there. Yep. And I don't even know, Bob, I, I don't even know, I've talked to Bob Griswold about this, and, and Bob and I both agree, I don't even know having the preps will get you out of the system but if you don't have the preps, you have no chance of being outside the system. Or go to one of the uh, your most recently located uh, shield facilities or FEMA camps or government facilities where you can pick up your ration cards. You know, they're rationing right. They have ration cards now in Europe because we're all getting ready for World War Three. Look, this is unine- this is it's, um, this event is uninevitable. It's going to happen and we can't stop it. This yeah, is all part of the part great of, deception. It's yeah. all part of the great deception. Stay rooted in Christ more than ever. Keep the faith. Don't have yeah, faith yeah, in yeah, these people. It's, it's scary for me to think if you're not grounded in faith, people are, those people are going to freak out. Absolutely. If, you, if you're grounded in faith and you're knowledgeable about current events, this won't surprise anybody. And you just have to stay within the word because Matthew, the book of Matthew promises that the Lord will not depart from you. 
And that's what people need to understand is the Lord will not depart from you. Yeah, I would I would like to I'd like to end with this. Is for anyone who's listening to us, um, if you are not saved, bought and born again by the by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, give your life to him. Give your life to him. Give your burdens over to him. His yoke is easy. All right. The only way that you can get to the Father is through the Son. The only way you're going to get through this madness is having your faith and foundation rooted in Christ. And other than that, guys, stay calm. Don't freak out all about all this stuff. I know most of you who listen, you your head's in the right place. Some of you, your head's in the sand still. And I hope it hope you can pull it out of that crawfish hole here soon. Because uh, there's going to be some crazy stuff happening. Keep your eyes on the news. We'll update you as we get this. And more of this uh, witness testimony from the UFO stuff will come out. We'll get some more panels of experts coming on. I know that you guys like whenever we do the roundtable discussion with Timothy Alberino and uh, L.A. Marzulli. We're going to have some more guys coming on. And I believe Monday, um, tentatively, we're going to have Pastor David Lankford on on the Intel Report. So we'll get a good word of God from Pastor Lankford. And, uh, yeah, guys, other than that, Dave, that's all I got, man. Yeah, hang by your phone. I need to call you real quick. But, ladies Roger. and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, he's Doug Thornton of American Vindicta. I'm Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show. And together we are the Doug and Dave Intel Report. And you got a lot of intel tonight, Pugbill. You really got good info, not because I'm giving it or Doug's giving it. We've been lucky enough to be around people who have made a life work out of this stuff. And I've been fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. And this is why we're giving you such a serious warning. And this comes right out of the Bible. Please, this does not come from Doug and Dave. This comes out of the Bible, what's coming. We at The Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at thecommonsenseshow.tv, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at thecommonsenseshow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground. will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.